Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name's Ray here and we are into week three now of Motorcycle Awareness Month. I've said it before and I'll say it again. When was your last Ride Forever course? You don't know what you don't know and you're not going to go on a Ride Forever course and they're going to say, ah, you're doing it wrong. No, that's not how it works. It's all about doing a course, but it's uh, it's it's uh, opening lines of communication to think about things that you may not have thought about before. Have you thought about approaching this type of corner this way? How far down the road are you looking? How safe is your riding really? Sign up for a Ride Forever course this month. Highly recommend it. And i tell you what, if you're in the Greater Wellington or Taranaki areas, you can sign up for a Ride Forever course with the Two World Bikers and it will be free if you use their promo code. Go to their Facebook page, go to Facebook and search out Two Bald Bikers, get the promo code, and you'll uh, score yourself an absolutely free Ride Forever course. What have we got coming up this show? We're going to be talking to another one of our Ride Forever ambassadors. I've got my full review, my full thoughts on the Harley-Davidson Pan America, and a nice little short news segment for you. We've got a new Triumph on the roads. Speaking of the news, let's get into it. Triumph has revealed the all-new Tiger 660, powered by the signature Triumph Triple. It's the most powerful bike in its class, bringing 81 horsepower at 10,250 RPM, 64 Nm of torque at 6,250 RPM, and of course it has that 660cc triple engine we saw arrive in the likes of the Trident earlier in the year. Triumph says the new 660 Tiger is a confidence-inspiring, agile and sporty ride. Seat height is 835mm, it has Showa 41mm upside down cartridge forks and a Showa Monoshock RSU with remote hydraulic preload adjustment. The brakes are by Nissan with 310mm discs up front. Range should be brilliant as the new Tiger 660 comes with a 17 litre fuel tank. That's quite a bit bigger than the likes of the MT-07 which I'm pretty sure this is kind of up against. Maybe the MT-07 Tracer. The bike benefits from the bigger Tiger's tech with a full colour TFT display and My Triumph connectivity integration, as well as road and rain riding modes, full LED lighting all around, self-cancelling indicators, traction control, ABS, ride-by-wire throttle, slip and assist, slip and assist clutch, and a factory immobiliser. This bike is tech heavy. For more details and photos on the Tiger 660, head to MotoNZ.com. We think this bike is an absolutely outstanding looking bike. Can't wait to ride one when they hit the country. It is Motorcycle Awareness Month. It is week three. Welcome. My name is Ray here and joining me this week it is Dr. Chris Huron from Deakin University. As I've said before, Motorcycle Awareness Month, usually September, postponed this year due to COVID, October. It is the month where motorcyclists across New Zealand, they break out the bike, they get out there with their mates and uh, generally kick things off for the riding season but it's also the month where ACC sees a significant spike in motorcycle related crashes so they're upskilling motorcyclists encouraging you to take a, a ride forever course but also uh, things like gear prepare, prep, prepping your bike talking about upskilling yourself and uh, this week we are talking gear Dr Chris Haran from Deakin University also MotoCap 
you guys, you test a whole lot of riding gear and kind of work out what's what's good and what's not, right? Yes, Ray. Um, so, yeah, we uh, buy gear from stores in Australia and New Zealand. We bring it back into the lab here where I am today and we cut it up and test it. And the whole aim of it is is to give riders information on, on what they're buying. And the beautiful part is because it, it's the stuff that you get from the stores, it hasn't been tricked up. Manufacturers haven't changed it in any way to make it perform better. So the results we put up on the website are exactly the same as the clothing that you're buying when you, when you go into a store and ride. Now, I'm told wearing the right gear can reduce your chances of injury or serious injury by as much as 30%. Uh, what kind of gear do we need to be wearing? I mean, is jeans and a jacket okay or is leather better than textile? What's the story? So any gear is better than no gear. So when you go out on a motorbike, making sure that you've got all your skin covered with protective gear is a really, really good start. And then it's a matter of the best way I can recommend is to go onto the MotoCap website because some garments are better than others. There are good garments in textiles, leather and denim, uh, and there's bad garments in textile, leather and denim. So the only way to tell is really to go to MotoCap and see how it tests. I, I know I do whenever I buy a new garment and uh, I bought a new jacket the other day and, and definitely consulted MotoCap before I went and purchased one. Okay. Are there any um, kind of basic rules when it comes to gear? Like if I'm just uh, riding around town, for example, uh, would I get different gear than if I was a, a road tripper or a tourer? So if you're in an urban environment uh, around town, there's going to be a lot of asphalt and on-road testing that we've done both in New Zealand and we've just done some really extensive stuff here in, in Victoria and Australia has shown that asphalt is about four to four and a half times less abrasive than chip seal. So if you're just riding around in an urban environment doing 50, 60 kilometres an hour, then two stars or better is more than enough when you're looking at motocap. So you want to have jackets, pants and gloves. You want to have impact protectors in the knees, hips, elbows and shoulders but two-star gear is, is, is good. If you get out on the open road, it becomes a different story. Now, you mentioned motocap.com.au, motocap.co.nz. Uh, it has a, a whole lot of information about different gear that you have tested. How do you test that gear? How do, how do I know what you're putting out there is, you know, is, is legit? So we're looking at the three main protection areas that you have when you crash a motorcycle. Uh, number one is abrasion. Everyone knows about abrasion. Everyone knows about skin rash and, and the, the, the dreaded scrubbing brush to scrub the rock out of the wound and everything like that. So for abrasion, we're measuring how long it takes to form a hole wearing through the fabric. And we use a dirty, great big belt sander. And I'm just going to hopefully move around a little bit and keep you being able to hear what I'm saying. This is our belt sander for doing that. And... Uh, our test sample fits on the test head just here. It swings around. Now that belt's doing 28 kilometres an hour and we're able to measure exactly how long it takes to form a hole through the fabric. And we've found that um, it's pretty much identical to the test results you get from chip seal. So if it lasts four seconds on our abrasion tester, it's going to last for four seconds on chip seal and that's going to get you at 28 kilometres an hour or eight metres a second, that's going to get you a 32 metre slide for your four seconds. 
if you're on asphalt, of course, you can multiply that by four. So you're going to you're going to well and truly be stopped before you're going to wear through your clothing on asphalt. So we're we're definitely seeing a big difference between the two of those. What if it's a hot day, middle of summer, and uh, you know I. I I don't want to wear my gloves or I don't want to wear my, my pants. What, what, what do you say to those kind of people? Well, we look at it that there is gear out there that is thermally comfortable in a hot day. I rode in today. Um, it was beautiful, sunny weather, and then it was pouring rain on me and then beautiful, sunny weather at the other end, uh, typical Melbourne day. Uh, but you can buy denim jeans that are just as comfortable as normal denim jeans for wearing on a hot day. You can get vented gloves uh, with mesh in them that, that enables airflow through the gloves so that you can be thermally comfortable. And that's where our, our thermal comfort tester comes in. This, this big box that we have here has a artificial skin inside of it. And this is the same test machine that they use for the style of test machine that they use for testing sports clothing for Nike and, and Adidas and places like that. And we measure how much heat can go through the fabric and those results become the breathability results that we present in Motocap. So you can get gear that has high breathability. We're looking at a three-star or a four-star garment is, is gonna be quite comfortable to wear on a hot day, uh, five-star even better. So you can get gear. And as I said at the start of this, any gear is better than no gear. So even if you have a, a two-star glove that, that is vented that you're wearing on a, on a hot day, that's better than wearing no glove at all. So I guess if it's too hot for the gear, it's too hot to ride, right? Well, <laughs> I ride in 40 degrees Celsius days. So, and I, I ride in my normal leather jacket, my denim pants and my gloves. Um, I've got a vented pair of gloves, but my jacket has zips in it that I can open up to get the airflow through. Um, us Australians, we're sort of a bit used to really hot weather and, and it does get hot. Um, so it's getting the right gear to wear in the right occasion. And there's definitely a, a massive range of vented gear out there now, whether it's zippered vented or whether it is actual mesh gear. So that's quite a good thing. Now, going on to what we do with testing, uh, we also test, so we do abrasion. The next most critical thing that we measure is impact. And if we look at it, every crash that we have, um, we're going to hit the ground with a part of our body. And we, everyone knows about armour, and I'm looking around, there's boxes and boxes of armour around me, but not one that I can grab. Um, armour in the elbows and shoulders, um, knees and hips are really, really critical because these are the first bits we hit when we hit the ground. And these are the bits that um, are really hard to fix. If you imagine it, if you go in for shoulder surgery, you're not going to be back and doing stuff within a day or so. It's going to be several weeks that you're going to be out. So having armour there is really critical. Same with the hands. We want to be looking for armour for the back of the knuckles and armour for our palm if we can because these things are pretty important. We use them for eating and wiping our nose and other things that we have to, to wipe. And once again, they're, they're pretty critical and they take a while to recover from. So we have an impact testing device um, if I swivel around, has a, an impact test head on it. And this enables us to measure how much force is going through that armour and how much is going to be absorbed and not transmitted into your body. And so, once again, this is an critical part of motocap, but the armour plays a double piece. Not only does it absorb energy, 
but it's in the spots where, in most cases, where we're going to slide a fair bit. So if you've got armour there, you're actually going to get abrasion protection from it as well because it's going to take forever to wear through that armour, either on chip seal or asphalt. You're going to stop sliding before you wear through it, so it gives extra protection. Brilliant. Uh, so I guess coming back to uh, it being spring, we're getting out on that bike, potentially for the first time this season. Um, a good idea is to check all our current gear for nicks, scrapes, uh, holes and that sort of thing. Definitely. Uh, look for, for any sorts of marks. Seams. Seams are really, really critical. Uh, these are the spots where we're going to fail first uh, when we hit the ground in older gear. Uh, the seams tend to, to go first. Discoloration. So if you've got that favourite textile jacket that you've had for the last 20 years and it's really starting to, to no longer look like the jacket that you bought, uh, that's a clear indicator that it's probably starting to age and get to a point where you really need a new garment. When you're looking at garments, uh, if you've bought denim pants, they're another item that, if you're wearing them a lot, need to be replaced reasonably regularly. If we look at our normal denim jeans, we all know they all go in the knees, and the reason they go in the knees is the cotton, when it flexes, it has flex fatigue and sooner or later it will break. The same happens in our protective denim jeans. And you might say to me, oh, it's okay, the Kevlar underneath is still okay. But um, the, should have muted that phone before I started. Um, you might say that the, the, the Kevlar under, or, or the, the Vectran or whatever underneath is still okay, but it's not. Um, it needs the denim on the outside to give it the protection when you first hit the ground. The, the two work in synergy. So if your denim jeans are torn or nicked or, or starting to look old and, and, and worn out, you need to get rid of them as well because the denim won't be up to, to protecting that Kevlar in the slide uh, and you really need it to protect it in that first hit with the ground. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. And also that extends to the helmet as well, doesn't it? I mean, most, I think a good rule of thumb is about five years for a helmet, even if you don't wear it all that often. But uh, most manufacturers will give an, an indication of how long a helmet will last. Yeah, and it, it, if we look at helmets, it's like our impact protectors, helmets and impact protectors go together. They squash over time. Uh, we all know we put our helmet on for the very first time, you can barely get it on your head. And then after five years, it's like, like putting on an old shoe, it, it fits on quite nicely. But the, the reason this is, is the foam compressors. And it's the same with impact protectors in your elbows. If you think about it, you're pressing your elbow onto that impact protector or onto that armour all of the time. It squashes and it gets less effective over time. So we should replace them. I was actually listening to another vlogger and uh, he was talking about helmets and he was saying, what's better? Are you better to buy a slightly less expensive helmet and replace it two or three times in, in a, replace it every two years or buy that really expensive helmet and keep it for five years. Um, it's, a, it's a good question because it, that cheaper helmet is going to be always at its optimum where the older helmet's going to be beautiful at the start and get less optimum the longer we have it. So it, it's horses and courses. And the other thing is if we're a, a fair weather rider or we're out, you know, every sunny day during summer, that UV is going to be damaging not just the helmet, the shell of the helmet, but uh, the uh, the cotton and the seams of your jacket and everything like that as well. Yeah, and, and one of the things we're going to be doing over the next 12 months uh, is we're going to be testing gear 
that we're handing out to a number of riders uh, that are doing large kilometres and we're going to be bringing that gear back over time and testing it to see how it performs in the laboratory. Uh, we, it'll be motor cap rated gear, so we'll know what its seam strengths are, we'll know what its, its fabric abrasion resistance are, we'll know what its impact protectors are performing like. And we'll be able to see after 10,000 Ks, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 and so forth, how the gear performs when it comes back. And this will be able to help answer that question a lot better. When should we replace gear? Dr. Chris Horan, Deakin University, Motocap. What are those websites again, please? So motocap.co.nz or motocap.com.au. Think of moto as in MotoGP and cap as in what you put on your head. And if you can't remember the website, just Google it and it will come up. Brilliant. Thanks very much for, uh, for joining us for this, uh, for this chat. And uh, thanks for being a uh, Motorcycle Awareness Month ambassador. More than happy to, Ray, and, and, and really missing riding in New Zealand. So I'm hoping that, that borders will come down at some stage because your roads are God's roads compared to Australian roads. This is the 2021 Harley-Davidson Pan America, and I'm going to show you why this is not your grandfather's Harley. Retailing in New Zealand for a fraction under 35000 plus on-road costs, this is the Pan America Special. It comes with all the fruit, including adaptive ride height. This is a cool feature, and the only bike in the market at the time of writing this that actually squats at a stop, so people with shorter legs can touch the ground easier. If you're taller than 6 foot, it's not going to be a thing for you. But if you're any shorter than 6 foot, it could well be a game changer. Though this adaptive ride height will set you back an additional $1,500. The bike has a set of electronically controlled shower shocks with 190mm of travel front and rear. The standard seat has two height settings with 25mm of difference. There's also a higher and lower seat available, both plus and minus an additional 25mm. So that's 75mm of difference from the highest seat height to the lowest. Ergonomics are pretty good once you find your favourite seat height. The bars are pretty much where I would expect them to be, and a good reach for me. Though, if I were to stand up for any length of time, I would need to roll the bars forward a little. The rear brake lever is adjustable. I found it perfect in the high position. The screen up front is also adjustable, and even better, can be adjusted while riding. In the low setting I got a bit of wind buffeting, but in the high position I could almost ride without a visor. The engine is Harley-Davidson's new Revolution Max engine, which packs 1,250cc, 150 horsepower, and peak torque at 6,700rpm. Some other buzzwords include a 90 degree firing order, dual overhead cams, 4 valves per head, and it's equipped with variable valve timing, which instead of a hydraulic system found on other bikes, has solenoids on both the intake and exhaust cams. And when you wail on the throttle, kicks in a fraction before 4000 RPM, and is quite noticeable. The RevMax 1250 engine is outstanding. It's not a high river, redlining around 8500 RPM, but in sport mode, it has an amazing amount of power from right down low. Wind open the throttle from about 3000 RPM, and there's a noticeable kick about 4000 RPM with a solid pull right through to redline. The bike is high-tech with six rider modes, sport, street, rain, off-road and two customizable modes. Sport is just plain fun on the open road twisties, though it is a little twitchy for around town or motorway commuting. 
I keep the bike in road mode for most of the dry days, which wound back the twitchiness but kept more than enough power on hand for passing. Rain mode noticeably winds back any savageness in the throttle and maxes out the ABS and traction control. So much power was taken away from the throttle to the point where I was wondering if there was something wrong with the bike. I think it would be really hard to get into trouble in rain mode. Off-road mode will allow you to remove the rear ABS and traction control, but keep a little front ABS. I found it actually did a very good job of assisting a stop on a loose surface. The brakes are by Brembo, and personally I thought they were absolutely outstanding, able to really haul up the bike, and on one occasion put the bike on its nose. Let's talk about lighting. It's LEDs all round baby. Harley Davidson called the LED headlight the Daymaker, and it does a really good job of lighting up the road. My test bike was also equipped with an adaptive headlamp setup, which lights up depending on how much the bike is leaned over. Very interesting to play with on the motorway. Further to the electronics, the bike has a 6.8 inch TFT screen, which has auto and manual brightness adjustment. The screen shows all the normal stuff and can be customised to show more or less info. If you like a clean speedo cluster, that's perfectly fine, or you can really jazz it up with tyre pressures, trip metre, range, and the list goes on. Link your phone via Bluetooth and download the HD app, and you'll get navigation and the ability to control your music if you have a headset in your helmet. The test bike I had was equipped with heated grips, which was a nice touch and had integrated controls on the left-hand switchgear. Speaking of switchgear, there are a lot of buttons. But you do get your head around what they do pretty quickly. If you're a technophobe, just ignore half of them and ride the bike. One set of buttons I'll find it hard to live without now that I've given the bike back is cruise control. Wow, this makes life so much easier. I was able to really eat up the motorway miles with the cruise control set to 101 kph, while reducing the risk of getting a speeding fine due to inattention. Interestingly, for an American-built bike, all the nuts and bolts are in metric. Okay, so let's break down the Harley-Davidson Pan America into the good, the mad, and the ugly. The good, that 1250cc Revolution Max engine. It's savage, yet has beautiful road manners. The bike comes with a centre stand, super handy. And the bike is equipped with beautiful spoked rims and tubeless tyres. The bad? After a week of riding, I was still struggling to find the kickstand. Where most bikes have the kickstand mounted below the left-hand foot peg, the Pan America has it mounted further forward, below the engine, with a little tab poking out for you to flick it with your heel. The indicator switch is weird. It has a two-way switch for the indicators, which if you've ridden a Harley before, you'll know is a bit different to standard Harley-Davidson equipment. Where other bikes I've ridden have a switch for left is left, right is right and push in to cancel, but the Harley-Davidson Pan America is equipped with self-cancelling indicators, meaning if you're turning right at an intersection for example, you flick the switch right, go around the corner and it will self-cancel. Changing lanes however, it doesn't always self-cancel the indicator, mainly because I assume you're not going all the way around a corner. And then coming up to a roundabout where you might need to indicate right and then switch to indicating left rather quickly for the exit, it's just a mess. And the ugly. No adventure motorcycle is a looker in my books. The Pan America, although unique, is no exception. Don't get me wrong, that big square nose is not as big a deal as we first thought it might be when we saw the press photos all those months ago. 
but it's still kind of a face only a mother could love. And I think there are too many buttons on the Switch gear. Now, I'm a child of the PlayStation generation, but even I struggled to find the buttons I wanted when riding and wearing gloves. It might be something you get used to over time, I don't know. But if those are my bad and ugly points, then how bad can the bike really be? This bike is high tech, it has power to spare, it's so far removed from the classic image of what most people believe a Harley to be, and for these reasons, it's not your grandfather's Harley Davidson. It's a serious contender in the world of adventure touring, so much so that I've booked another press bike to take to the South Island and tackle the Molesworth Station Road for opening weekend, Labor Weekend. I'll be sure to let you know how it goes. Till then though, if you get the chance to ride the Harley-Davidson Pan America, I say take it for a spin. That about wraps us up for more photos, full stories, and of course videos, go to motonz.com. Uh, you can get in touch with me, you can email me, podcast at We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well. Just search at Kiwi Rider Podcast. Uh, I'd love to hear from you if you've got any feedback on the show or you'd like to get involved, you've got a story to share, I would love to hear from you. Don't hesitate to get in touch with us. You can message us through Facebook as well. My name is Ray Hero and this is Kiwi Rider Podcast. Till next time, go to rideforever.co.nz and look into a Ride Forever course. Highly recommend it. Find out who your local uh, motorcycle trainer, your facilitators are, and uh, they may even be running a promo deal for Motorcycle Awareness Month. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. Yeah.